Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you doing today? It's kind of what, a little cloudy outside, raining all day. A little overcast, rained overnight. Uh, you pull a, a late one. You were watching LSU, Georgia women's basketball, but I see you wearing the Spurs hat. It's a vic- Is this a victory day for you? This was the Wimbenyama Chet game? Yes, yes, yes. Wimbenyama uh, secured his rookie of the year and uh, put anything else of Chet being better to bed. So, yes, I'm feeling good. Are we high on Wimby's future here? I've oh, watched a couple of games. It's awkward to watch someone that big and lanky do it, but uh, he's heating up. Yeah, that, that's that's my guy. That's the that's my team. Obviously, for those who don't know, from San Antonio. So we've we've been waiting for this for about five years. And you've been, and you're still the worst team in the West, right? Yes. But you've so been waiting for this getting, this moment. We're getting we're getting there. This yes. is the turning point. This is it. I've, I've well. I guess if you finish with a bad row, oh, the Pistons are pretty bad, but you'll still get a lottery pick that's very high. Yeah, another one. So we'll see. We'll keep stacking them up. We'll keep stacking them up. We'll check in with me in about a month. I think we're getting – we'll see if Wimby keeps working, uh, putting up these crazy, crazy games. But, yeah. so I, I Your, goal, your goal is the Pels-type turn, turnaround. You need, uh, you know, the Pels level. Where you, you have a few drafts. You hit on him. You get a big player like B.I. to come in even when A.D. leaves and – now you're cruising. Yeah. You need to find you a three and D like Herb Jones, Matty B. Exactly. Herb Jones is that's Shay's guy. That's Shay's guy. So don't be mad about where he went to college, people. He's still a good player. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. We have the defensive preview for spring football for LSU today. Um uh if you missed the offensive one, go check that out. Uh, you know, that one did really well and everybody seems to be enjoying that so yeah we did position by position breakdown of the offense went through you know the offensive coordinator change as well here we'll be doing the same thing uh position by position defensive coordinator talk uh kind of just run through everything we're looking forward to seeing in the spring which starts up next week um we're recording this on friday and i think it starts up what was it tuesday monday tuesday somewhere in that range so yeah tuesday um, yeah, so we'll be on top of that. So stay tuned to, bang, to the Bengal Tiger on three for the latest and and for uh, every all the information you need throughout the spring. Shay, where do we where do we want to start when reviewing and previewing um, this let's, defense? Let's go coaches first. Not often does a team uh, head coach fire everyone that's on one side of the ball following a ten win season. Uh, that's what happened at LSU. They finished with the number one offense, but they finished with well outside the top 100 of really any important defensive metric uh, or stat category on uh, defensively. So with that said, we knew Matty B after the season, or we figured there was going to be a couple changes. Brian Kelly comes out one day and announces that everyone's been fired. So they go out and put together a staff that I think now that everyone steps back and, and this was the immediate reaction as well, but even as the dust has settled and time's gone on now and we've had a month to mull it over and look at what other hires have been made out there that you're throwing like an A plus on. I don't know anyone complaining about any of these hires and you start with Blake Baker, a guy who now comes back to Louisiana, Houston native, Tulane grad, uh, spent a long time at Law Tech. He was there when Joe Sloan was. Uh, now they're both coordinators uh, for LSU, but he was the linebackers coach at LSU for a year. Matty B, you were here during that time. He really turned um, Damone Clark uh, around, and uh, not that Damone wasn't a good player before then, but he made a yeah. big jump and uh, ends up getting drafted. He's playing on Sundays now. Uh, and all eyes, obviously, and we'll talk about Harold Perkins here in a bit, but are on how he uses these linebackers. Defensively, though, Blake Baker, for me, young guy, is a well-respected coordinator, knows the linebacker and safety positions. He coaches very well. Coach safeties at Missouri. He's coached linebackers plenty. He'll do that here. 
I remember the first practice he claimed came to, he wore cleats. He then wore cleats to most practices, like very hands-on. And Brian Kelly said he needed someone who would re-energize this defense and that would put some instill some confidence in him, put him in the right spots. I just don't see anything with Blake Baker right now that makes me feel like he's not that guy. Like I think that um, the immediate hire, the immediate results following the hire of Blake Baker, I think are already probably starting to show. Yeah, this was the one for me that when we looked at like potential candidates, Blake Baker was always the one that I thought um, was kind of the obvious choice in a sense. Obviously, they were you know could have gone for bigger names, right? Or maybe your more established guys. Blake Baker's still young. But in terms of, like you said, re-energizing the defense and obviously being hands-on with the line at the linebacker position in particular, I think this is just a home run hire. And we, I've harped on it before. We've talked about it at length before, the job that he did at Missouri. Um, you know, turning guys, I mean, Tyron Hopper over there, uh, Ennis Rakestraw, uh, Chris Abrams-Drain. I mean, these are guys that are now like NFL prospects as you know former three-star guys pretty much. Um, I know defensive line, they had some guys too. So Blake Baker... Um, what he was able to build at Missouri in two years in terms of an efficient defense, an aggressive defense, and one that seemingly had players in position to make plays every time you watch them. Now, they weren't perfect, right? They were, I think they were still in the like 30 to 40 range in most defensive metrics. But hell, for Missouri, I mean, that's that's a really good year. And that helped them obviously have the year that they had this past year. So um yeah i i love the hire i think him and then you know we get to the rest of the the hires here we which we've talked about but i mean i i just think this is a really really um this is a group that i think you move forward to it both in recruiting and on the field and you're like all right i don't know where this could go wrong like i just think there's this is pretty airtight to me philosophy wise in, in a simple sentence or two how, how much different is it than what lsu did um, and maybe just personnel. Uh, is this four down linemen at all time? Is this a stand-up edge rusher, a jack, as they would call it? Uh, is this three linebackers kind of with a weak side? What, what's the feel for how they transitioned that group a year ago, which was three down linemen, a stand-up lineman who was the jack, you know, the outside linebacker, a couple middle backers, and then they'd usually play five DBs. Is that kind of the feel of this Blake Baker defense? Yeah, it's still going to be a four-two-five or a three-three-five, whatever you want to call it. I I think the, the Braden Swinsons and the you know that outside linebacker position, I think it'll be more about pass rushing than even it was last year. I don't think it'll be much about um, coverage at all. But yeah, basically it's a four-two-five. Um, that's what he ran in Missouri. That's what he's pretty much ran. Um, as the defenses he's been in. So I don't think it'll look much different, but I think it'll be a lot more aggressive in terms of blitzing and which we'll talk about the linebackers, but I think those linebackers will be a lot more aggressive in both filling the gaps and, and blitzing. I just, that's going to be the main difference to me. Matt House, Matt House's defense were kind of indecisive at times. And I think that was one of the things I talked about last year was like, not only in how he used Harold Perkins, but you know, how they used the safeties, how they used the corners, you know, they couldn't, they were never really asserting themselves defensively. I think Blake Baker's defenses do a really good job of that. And I think that's what puts up the numbers that they put up last year in Missouri. That's why. Yeah. The past two years, uh, the two years he was the DC at Missouri, they were top 40 both years, whether you're looking at total defense, scoring defense, whatever it is. Uh, LSU obviously quite far from that. Had they had a top forty defense last year, they're playing for in the playoffs for an SEC yeah. championship and and a chance at a, a national championship. And they don't even get to a New Year's Six Bowl. So the disparity between offense and defense obviously led Kelly to making all these changes. I would say the one that maybe made the most waves, Maddie B, is the secondary coach Corey Raymond. He spent he went to LSU. His first job was at LSU, and he was the longest tenured coach. Uh, through the Orgeron era, 10 years on staff um, consecutively, uh, goes and spends a, a couple of seasons with Florida, didn't work out with Billy Napier, and boy, there was every DB name out there, coach tossed around um, that's got SEC experience. Like it was one of those things where it was like half the fan base wanted Corey Raymond, half the fan base wanted them to do a new direction. But when it was Corey Raymond, he was named, it seemed like everybody got on board and said, all right, I'm good with this. Let's move forward in recruiting Maddie B. We're already seeing it. I mean, they've got 
the number one, two, four, six, seven corners in the country, all already visiting or about to visit in March. A top five corners already committed now in Jabori Antoine. Like Robert Steeples, the prior corners coach, was dealt a tough hand. I mean, he came in here as a longtime high school coach. He spent one year as a, an assistant, really, at the NFL level off the field and then gets the LSU cornerbacks job at a time when they did not have much talent at corner. Uh, and he went through a couple of years where it, there were bumpy roads and it's understandable. And now you go right back for Kelly to the guy that you let go. I mean, he let Raymond go to hire steeples. Now they move on from steeples and they bring Raymond back. Um, again, Blake Baker is another who was on that prior staff and is now back at LSU. The, for me, and look, people will say, oh, well, at the end, Corey did, you know, he left the DB room bare. Okay. Well, they didn't have many scholarship players and things were unraveling. They had a lame duck head coach that was fired midway through the season, but got to keep coaching in Orgeron. So yes, there were guys leaving. I mean, we saw Dwight McLaughlin, one of the guys who left and started at Arkansas for multiple years, tweeted out when Corey got hired, should have never let him go. Uh, and there was a lot of thought from former players about that. We won't get into the long term of like, will this work? But I think for me, Maddie B, there wasn't a bigger splash you could have made than getting Corey Raymond back. I think what that does, just name brand, knowing the kind of guys he goes after, knowing the success they've had, you are so far from that DBU moniker the past two years that this is a way to get back in that direction is hiring one of the guys who got you there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it, but I think the talent acquisition uh, as, um, aspect of it is the most important to me. And we talked about that when he was hired. Like that's the, that's the thing with Corey Raymond that you know you're going to get. And I mean, the track record speaks, speaks for itself. Um, obviously the other def uh, defensive coaches, Bo Davis on the defensive line, Kevin Peoples off the edge, uh, Jake Olson safeties, um, any thoughts there? Where, where, I mean, Bo Davis. Bo Davis was that name of a former LSU player who went on to be a really great coach for Bama, obviously, and then at Texas as the D-line coach. And every offseason there would be rumblings. I mean, oh, Bo Davis, hearing Bo Davis might come back. Bo Davis might come back. And it never came to fruition. And finally, here we are. Uh, and let's see if it puts an end to the bleeding because that, again, I think you talk home run hires. When you're LSU and you've got an LSU grad like Bo Davis, who's done what he's done at multiple top tier universities, and now he can come to LSU and recruit D linemen and, and hopefully put a stop to this annual turnover of what seven D line coaches in seven years, something like that, eight D line coaches in eight years. You can't sustain not just development, but recruiting like that. And we've seen the D line take hits. So that was a massive hire for me. Uh, Jake Olson being the youngest guy on staff, uh, on field staff, I think is the one that we don't know a ton about yet. He's had coaching stops around Louisiana, but he got brought to Missouri with Blake Baker. And that's kind of his right hand man, his choice for this, uh, the guy will coach up the safeties. But I look at a guy like Kevin Peoples and Matty B, he's been in the business coaching for nearly 30 years. Everybody up at Missouri said this guy's an ace recruiter and coach bunch of his former players. I mean, he coached at Tulane for a while. A lot of them have chimed in, chimed in about how good of a coach he is. So I feel like he's one that we didn't all know. He wasn't like a household name to LSU fans, but it could be one that's surprising who comes in and it's like, man, that was a really solid hire by Blake Baker because clearly Baker bringing Peoples and Olsen from Missouri has some confidence in these two guys. Yeah. Um, we will, I guess we'll kind of talk about the, the um how you know the coaching and stuff that we'll look forward to in in the spring well after seeing a couple practices we'll be able to talk about how hands-on they are and how they coach and whatnot we already know a little bit about Blake Baker like Shay said um and Corey Raymond but the rest we'll get to see a little bit more in action as the spring unfolds when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go position by position here. Um, we can start on the defensive line. 
that's the the easiest. We'll start on the interior. Yes, we'll start. There's uh, not many people there, so it's an easy place to start. Um, exactly. Maddie B, what do they do? They return two interior scholarship players, Jacoby and Guillory and Jalen Lee. Yep. Oh, Kimo Macagnola now as well. <laughs> uh, that's right. They have moved an offensive lineman in Kimo Macagnola from O-line to D-line, and we'll see his debut there uh, in camp. He's been on the team for a few years now as a backup offensive lineman. Um, but Mason Smith is gone. Makai Wingo has gone. They had a slew of backups transfer out. Uh, Jordan Jefferson obviously is gone who they had gotten from West Virginia. So now you're looking at a situation where, as I mentioned, you only bring back two guys, and both of them are kind of nose tackles, right? I mean, and Jalen Lee and Jacoby and Guillory, they signed a JUCO addition in Sean Washington. Um, they signed a couple of high school guys, including a five-star in Don McKinley, Ahmad Bro, Demirian Johnson. Uh, but Ahmad Bro will be the only guy who's there this spring, uh, if we're kind of making this a spring preview. Mm -hmm of what the D line is on the interior. You're not going to have Don McKinley or Demirian Johnson until the summer months. So moving chemo over made sense. It gives you some bodies there. They'll have some walk-ons, but I would have to think that all eyes are on Jacoby and Guillory, Jalen Lee and Sean Washington and kind of what they look like on the interior. It's gotta be Sean Washington is, is the, like if we're picking a player, to watch this spring for me it's like sean sean washington's one of the most important pieces really of this entire off season is is he ready to play significant snaps week one for this team uh when it's when the season starts like that's that's a big question i have and how how much does he need to be a backup guy or can he step in and be a starter and that's not saying he has to play 80 or 70 percent of snaps if he does start but like can he be a reliable contributor um, out of junior college? Yes, yes. So he was at Georgia as a freshman, won a national championship on that team, but he was a reserve. Uh, goes JUCO. Um, they went to a JUCO national championship, and he played a ton at EMCC. But you're right now, it's stepping up back to the SEC and expected, uh, unlike his freshman year at Georgia, to actually be a big contributor and and uh, potential starter for him. I almost get the feeling, and this is twofold, Again, and and we named those kind of interior defensive linemen they have already. It's not a deep group. It's a young group, given half of them are newcomers. Um, and now you've got chemo switching over from offensive line to defensive line. I guess uh, you've got a few questions here, and I think D-line is one of the biggest question marks. One, are you moving anybody else on this D-line inside? And I think you've really only got, like you go to D-end and say, do you move Parrish Shand inside? But, you know, you're not moving, I don't think, Womack inside, no. I don't think you're moving Relaford inside. I think he's more of your prototypical defensive end. And that would leave you with the Savion Jones and Shand. This is my opinion. People were down on Savion Jones last year. He had put on some weight to be able to stop the run a bit more, and he wasn't as productive as he had been the year prior when he was a backup. Uh, and really, Parrish Shand uh, at times outplayed Savion Jones. If you're putting any more weight on Savion Jones, that's only holding him back even more, in my opinion. So this is a sticky spot for me with that. Two is you've got to find spring portal guys. That just seems like a must that in the spring portal, you're signing at least one, if not two defensive tackles that can come in and give you reps or be a starter. And then three, does a freshman emerge like or a Juco guy like Sean Washington? They have to have one of them, whether it's Don McKinley or whether it's Sean Washington, one of those guys is going to have to be a part of this kind of rotation of the interior defensive line. Right now it's kind of fascinating because we know that maybe another piece or two are going to be added, but even then these aren't, there's still so many unknowns, at least for me, Maddie B. I mean, Guillory, yes, is a veteran, but everybody else is a bit of an unknown to me. Yeah. I think, I mean, projecting forward and I guess, in the spring, you look at Don McKinley and you're like, okay, he should be able to come in and give us some snaps, like week one, whenever the season starts. But as far as the spring goes, I think, you know, Guillory Lee and Washington are the three that you're like, all right, we need to have those three ready to play. Like right now, we need to have them ready 
getting all the reps to where over the summer, all right, we work on conditioning, we get them ready, and then fall ball, those three are ready to go, regardless of whether McKinley can play or not, like week one. Um, because McKinley, you know, has a lot of tools and he's going to have to be coached up and stuff. Like he's not a perfect, you know, pl- uh, play, um, drop in and play guy. Uh, I think Washington, Guillory, and Lee are the three that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. And, I mean, Guillory and Lee probably are what they are at this point, but give them some reps and see if they can improve anymore. And you got a new coach in there. So, um, yeah, I this obviously is not going to be Makai Wingo and Jordan Jefferson or even Mason Smith last year. Like, I just think, you know, the quality is not as where it was last year. That's not uh, breaking news. But Guillory, Lee, and Washington have at least the experience, and I think they have the bodies to where they can hold up on the inside. So I – it's not a great position to be in, but we knew that coming in, they're going to have to go get a portal guy or move somebody inside. But, I mean, they at least have some bodies that Bo Davis can work with. So. If they got two quality portal defensive tackles, I would feel completely different about oh, yeah. this interior group. Yeah. Um, even one makes me feel a, a good bit better about it. But if they had two guys out there, even that were Jordan Jefferson types, that were playing at a West Virginia, that were starters, that were solid players, that might have been second team all ACC, something like that. If you had two of those types of guys, I would feel better about it. Yeah. Jordan Jefferson would be a savior on this defense right now. Um, let's move to the edge a little bit. Well, you like feel way they, you feel way better about the these spots, uh, the, the defensive end and edge yeah. uh, jack linebacker spots. Yes. Um, I mean, a lot of returners, honestly, here. Like you mentioned Savion Jones and then Paris Shand and Deshaun Womack. Gabe Relaford is the new addition there. Um, I think Womack is the one from that defensive end group that you're like, all right, here we go. Sophomore year, made some plays as a freshman. I contended last year for Womack. It was early on. It was he had the what was it five pressures and like 10 snaps or something like that. You're like, OK, this is great. And then he kind of tailed off. If you go look at his numbers at the back half of the season, it was he played some snaps and he didn't get any pressures, didn't really get any um, notable statistics there. And so it's like, all right, can Deshaun Womack sustain that? How can he figure it out? He's the one for me. I'm looking at defensive end, and if you include the other edge spot, which is Braden Swenson, Jackson Howard, Dylan Carpenter, and so on. He's still Womack is the one for me that I'm like, all right, you got to figure him out this year. And I don't know what it is. It moving him back to a stand up edge kind of rusher? Is he a third down kind of pass specialist? He came in to the bowl game doing a bit of that uh, when he was playing a little bit more. I don't know the answer because they've got talent, as you noted, at both those spots. Like Braden Swinson was a really Braden Swinson outplayed the starter at the you know at Jack linebacker last year. He just did. He steps in and out a role where you feel like he's starting, and his backup is Jackson Howard, who they've talked really highly of. And be they didn't go that more than too deep into that Jack position last year. It was typically just Ov and Braden, and that was like mm-hmm. kind of it each game. So. Even though they have some guys behind him, I would think that, all right, if you see that kind of rotation and maybe toss in Womack standing up every now and then, it works. And then I feel really good about Jones and Shand and toss in Relaford. If you think Relaford's going to give you any early snaps like McKinley can. So the end position, the DN position, and then the jack or any, however you want to call it, stand-up linebacker, uh, I think that's those two spots – I feel really good about it's just the interior of the line that leaves me with question marks. Yeah. Um, as from, from a pass rushing perspective, I, th- I still think they're going to use like the linebackers more and this is what the spring is going to show us. But in general, it's always been, if you can get home with four, then you're in a good position last year. They weren't really able to get home with four and that was a major problem. They had a lot of major problems, right? I didn't think Savion Jones, like we mentioned, took a step back, as a pass rusher, um, Parrish Shand was kind of like a tweener. Braden Swinson was good. I think the back the back half of the year, he was much better than the first half of the year, and he also got to play more in the second half of the year. But um, Swinson was better as the year went on. So I think Swinson is the one for me. If we look at, honestly, Swinson might be the best edge player on this team. And I know that's – they have Savion Jones and Deshaun Womack and Parrish Shand, but like – Swinson was really good last year, and if he can keep up that trajectory, I think Swinson's the one that, like, we're talking about edge pressure consistently. Womack and Swinson are the two that can give that to you on a consistent basis. So I think that's that's huge. And I don't want to uh, also forget about Jackson Howard, who 
uh, was highly ready to come out of high school. We heard good things about him. Him this spring is going to be big for him uh, to assert himself in the two deep. I, uh, if we're picking out breakout players, Swinson would be up there for me. I just thought he had a really good year last year and, and could do that again. And, and I like what I've seen from Shand. I hope Savion Jones makes a, a leap too, because he was kind of my breakout guy last year. It just didn't happen. So maybe this year is kind of his year to, to shine through after he's had a year of adjusting to being at that size, playing the DN spot, playing more than just a situational pass rusher role, yeah. uh, which Deshaun Womack was going through. And he said, yeah. look, I've now had to learn going into year two of taking on runs, you know, being really strong in run support and, and being more than just a third and long type of player. So um, excited about the DNs, excited about the jacks uh, or edges. Um, just don't know yet about the interior, but we'll get to start to see a few of them out there, including, as you noted, Sean Washington, who will be an important Juco piece for him. And we'll see what happens after uh, the spring portal. And then when Don McKinley and the rest of the D linemen get here this summer, um, but let's stick in the front seven here and Blake Baker's position. And it's maybe been the most talked about position, despite the reality, Matty B, that they've been so – they've had such a rough go at DB the past mm – -hmm. well, certainly this past year. That became a main talking point. The fact that what we just noted about the interior defensive linemen, the lack of uh, not getting Mason and Mackay back, having Jordan Jefferson obviously out of eligibility, left them in this spot. And now they're having to chase portal guys. But I feel like even with both those things, people have talked more about linebacker, which is the spot they returned everybody at and what the usage is for Harold Perkins. Um, Brian Kelly's now come out and talked about it a couple of times and said, Harold Perkins will be used as a linebacker will not be used in that primary edge rush role. So more like what he did last year than what he did the year prior but you've said it many, many times, put on the Missouri film, Blake Baker's linebackers are really aggressive and they get after the passer plenty. So is this the right fit for both LSU and Perkins's future on Sundays? Because I think that's obviously plays into this. Yeah, it, it plays into it. I think um, the concerns about his size are valid to a point. Like he's 6'1", 220, listed at that. Let's say he plays next year at 6'1", 225, or if he can even get to 230. I mean, that's very much on par with the players that are in the NFL Combine right now at linebacker. Um, 6'1", 230 would not be really abnormal at all. We know how fast he is, how explosive he is. My concern would be don't do to Harold Perkins what you did to Savion Jones just to try to make him hold up better against the run. Like, Don't take away what he's great at just to try to make him perfect um, or try to perfect him. Like don't put on 15, 20 pounds this off season. There's, I don't think he needs to bulk up that much. I understand he's not great against the run, but in what I saw from Tyron Hopper last year at Missouri, I think Blake Baker can work around that. And I think at the end of the day, your defense, your interior defense alignment are great. Your linebackers aren't like, I think Greg Penn's probably the best run stopper of the group with weeks and Harold Perkins aren't great. Don't go out of your way to try to like slow down Harold Perkins just to put on 20 pounds here. I I think you let him be who he is. I think you if you need to rotate him with weeks and Greg Penn a lot, then do it. Like you think you have good depth there between those three and just let Harold Perkins be Harold Perkins. Um you you gotta be aggressive with him. I think he already has a foundation for pass coverage now. Yeah. Like last year didn't work out great, right? Because we was he was in pass coverage so much. But hey. Now he has some experience in pass coverage, which is going to be very, very valuable, not only for this year, but for the NFL. So I think Harold Perkins is in a good spot to learn from a great linebackers coach and to kind of, you're going to have to learn one way or the other. It's going to be an adjustment for Harold Perkins. I think this is just the better of the two options. And now he's in a position to where you're going to have to watch a ton of film. You're going to have to study the playbooks. You're going to have to do a lot of things. Uh, when it comes to filling rat run gaps and playing the pass, and then obviously blitzing from a different spot, you're going to have to figure that out as well. So Harold Perkins, I think moving him inside is the right choice. If y'all haven't, you know, if y'all haven't watched our previous podcast, like mailbags, we've talked about it extensively, but Harold Perkins at the inside makes the most sense. And I'm excited to see what he looks like this spring. Yeah. And even Brian Kelly said that, um, it's going to be a mix between coaches 
really drawing it up for him and teaching him and putting him in the right spot. And then Harold really soaking it in and working hard this offseason to do the things you just noted, take on all those responsibilities of what it is to be a linebacker. I do think this is the right choice. And he look, he was good in coverage for a linebacker when he had to drop into different spots last year. He had a massive pick against Missouri in a game that came down to the very end against Blake Baker's team. So we know he can do a little bit of everything. People just want to see him getting after the pass, you know, the ball carrier, whether it's on blitzes or quarterback or spying or whatever it might be. I think that we now see a, the best blend we've seen so far. Year one was just go get the quarterback. Don't worry about anything else. Year two, obviously, you've got this learning curve. You're in a different position. You're being used differently. Now I think year three with Blake Baker, having an offseason to work with him, I think we'll really see Harold kind of shine. And there were games last year where you forgot Harold was on the field. That's not a good thing for LSU's defense. Like you need, he needs to be a disruptor. And, and I think kind of we'll find they'll Blake Baker will find that balance. Um, Greg Penn, personal favorite of mine, returns as a starter. Perkins is a starter. Whit Weeks got starts last year, so I guess he returns as a starter. Uh, his brother West Weeks plays plenty. Uh, you've got Braithwaite in year two, and then they signed a, a bunch of linebackers. Tylen Singleton, Devon Keys, Adkins, uh, Cobbins is kind of a linebacker edge. Uh, if anything on defense, this is the room you feel best about probably, Matty B. Yeah. Um... Whit Weeks is I, I think Greg Penn, we know we we know what Greg Penn is. And I think he's a he's a good player. And I'm not saying he can't improve. I think he will improve. I you know you've talked a lot about him taking that Damone Clark step forward. I think now that he has Blake Baker, he very well could take that step forward. I think he is necessary. Like I think he's starting no matter what. Um, just because I don't I don't I don't see them starting weeks and Perkins. And I know this is projecting, but like in the spring, I think we see a lot of Greg Penn and then they work around Perkins and weeks to with their skill sets um with their ability to get sideline to sideline so yeah I, I think pin gonna be a massive piece of this and with weeks as much as we love him I think Brian Kelly kind of told us last year directly and indirectly he wasn't really ready for the first eight nine games of the year yeah and Weeks said that. Weeks said it at the bowl game. Said he yeah, was like, I, Man, I would get out there this season and just look at Greg Penn and be like, what do I do again? And so in a much more country George accent. Yeah. Uh, but Weeks' year – I mean, people forget. Weeks is just coming off his freshman season. So even he has said, I need this offseason to really dive into the playbook, feel good about myself, where I'm at. And I think he's in a good rotation there at linebacker with Perkins and, and Penn. Yeah, so this is this is the one uh, Weeks and Perkins have to take that step forward this offseason. There can't be confusion. They have to, I mean, really work at it to get on the same page and to be able to take that step forward because if if these linebackers don't work out, like I think we can agree, Weeks and Perkins are two of the most talented players on this defense by far. Yes. And so those two have to reach their potential this year if, if LSU's defense is going to be – as you know, even like we said, just a top 40 defense in the country, those two have, Yo, you'll to, take that. Yeah. If those two reach their potential, you could be even better than that. Like that's where I, that's a lot of pressure on them. And yeah. that's how I look at it this off season and this spring, especially is our Perkins and weeks developing. And not only not just from like a physical standpoint, because we know how good or how talented they are, but mentally, that's all this offseason is going to be about is preparing yourself mentally. And that's where I think Blake Baker will play a big role in that. So I, I feel good about the linebacker spot, obviously, but it is the one to me that has the most, it has the most like boomer bust potential still in my head. And I know we're about to talk about the defensive. Oh, I, I'm on boom. I don't know. I disagree. I think that linebacker is the one that has like the highest floor, lowest seat. Like, I just feel like that's the surest thing. Well, what me. if, what if the Harold Perkins doesn't figure it out at inside line? I don't think I don't think that's an option. I okay. think Harold Perkins is figuring it out no matter what, or they're gonna they're gonna figure it out and put Harold somewhere that he works. Yeah, it, it's that that's the thing. That's the only thing holding me up is that. And I mean, again, Weeks was good in flashes. Like he still has to prove it to me to a degree. And can like can Greg Penn take a step forward? Um, I think and like. Greg Penn's been a hundred tackle a year type guy for two years. I mean, he knows how to play the game. Yeah, he can play the game, but it's there's like he, he's not 
I mean, at this point, he's not like a draft pick guy. So it's he's going to have to take a step forward, too. So it's like defensive line, I feel like, for which mostly for worse, but like we know the limitations potentially of the defensive line. We know how good it is or how bad it is at most spots. Linebacker to me is like that. This is what holds the this is kind of where Blake Baker has to make his money. This is what's going to determine if you're a top 40 defense, top 30 defense or not. Like that's that's a big, uh, big task for him this offseason. Um, if you're playing two backers usually in West Weeks as your fourth guy in the rotation, I feel great about it. Like, yeah, that's a very talent wise. I feel great. Talent wise. I feel great. So West Weeks, uh, Christian Brathwaite. Um, Tylen Singleton, Devon. Yeah, then you got a bunch of freshmen. Yeah, Devon Keys and Xavier Adkins. So they're deep. Yeah, I feel a lot better about the numbers this year than I have in the past two years. That's for sure. Um, corners. Whew. You want to just start predicting them? Um, <laughs> There's a thread. There's a thread on our board that's trying to predict the se- starting secondary for the uh, for the spring game. And I was like, I, guys, y'all might as well buy lottery tickets. I good luck with that. Okay, here's what we do know. Zai Alexander transferred in from Southeastern. He's won a starting job for him. Really made the case to be the most reliable corner they had a year ago, and he gets hurt. Um, God, in, in a meaningless spot uh, yeah. at, right before halftime of that Army game that's a blowout and is done for the year. He will not be in spring camp. Uh, but the good news now, and there was a fear among – after the injury that, Hey, this could bleed into next fall camp and into the season where he wouldn't even be ready for day one. We'll see if we hold Brian Kelly at his word here. Brian Kelly said he should be cleared for summer workouts. It should be even running again, lifting, and that puts you right on track for fall camp. So we'll put him to the side for a second, but he's someone who could start. He just won't be here in the spring and we are doing a little spring preview pod here. So I'll give you your corners. Your corners are Jair Brown who they took as an Ohio State transfer. J.K. Johnson, who they also took as an Ohio State transfer a year ago. But remember, Matty B., J.K. Johnson, he was battling for a spot either starting or in the two deep. He gets hurt in fall camp and is out all year. He's now ready for spring ball, though. So he's back in the mix. So you've got two former Ohio State players. Now you're getting into the group of guys who moved positions last year and earned starts at corner as true freshmen. Uh, Javin Toviano and Ashton Stamps. Jeremiah Hughes is back. He was a true freshman a year ago, but he played behind those guys. And then you bring in P.J. Woodland, Bernard Causey. Um, You've got Kai Prion as a guy they've moved around on both sides of the ball. The same might happen with Michael Turner coming out of Curtis, who played a receiver, could play some corner. But let's talk about the guys, um, and really let's put Nickel in here. I think we kind of – you should in a way because – Sage Ryan, I presume, will be the starting nickel. He had to play a bunch of corner last year. Yeah, Some think he's still best suited at safety. I can hear that argument. Um, Joel Rogers uh, coming in from West Feliciana will play nickel. Juwan Johnson will play nickel. Um, so you've got some young guys at nickel. Ryan Robinson is still on the squad here. Um, we'll see if they add anything else in the spring portal uh, window, but that's after spring ball. So with just those names out there, what do you think? What are you looking at here? Uh, let's start with the corners first before the nickels. But what are you looking out to get out of spring ball? Because for me, it's the first time getting to really see what we hope is extended action from these two Ohio State transfers. And I feel like you're in a spot where one of them has to do something for you. And by that same token, Toviano and Stamps coming off their freshman seasons, having moved from safety to corner, do they stay there? Do they move around? And like I said, by that same token, I feel like one of them has to do something. So for me, out of your two Ohio, Ohio State guys and then out of your two Stamps uh, and Tobiano true freshman groups, I need to see at least one of each of them emerge. I agree. I think that's that's the game right now is can Jair Brown or J.K. Johnson like potentially start for this team? I think J.K. Johnson is – the better player, but J.K. Johnson's also been injury prone in his career. He missed all of last season with an injury. So not only am I worried about him, you know, staying healthy, but coming back off of a serious leg injury is never um, fun either. We know how fast he was out of high school and the, the talent that he was there. Um, Jair Brown, um, to me, is going to have to prove it. and prove I'm, high, I'm higher on Jair Brown than you are. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not high on Jair Brown Brown at all. I would take Ashton Stamps over him probably at this moment. Um, but then the the hard part with predicting the secondary is like, yeah, where does Stamps and Toviando end up? Do they are they gonna play corner their whole career? Like Ooh. I think Toviano could move to nickel, you know, we've talked about that as well, or safety even. Um, so that's where it's not as much as predicting the two deep because like if everybody was a corner, nickel, and say like if we knew who where everybody was, it wouldn't be as hard. But like Again, Toviano could play any of the five positions in the secondary, and I'm 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 fine with it. You've got um, you can kind of scrap the whole. We, we used in the steeples kind of two seasons. We talked about him like field boundary corners. Yeah, Corey is just you're going to man up. You're going to be on the. You're not going to see any of this 15 yards off off the line of scrimmage stuff. You will be manned up. He likes guys who can play press. He likes guys who can turn and run that are long. He'll recruit that. They don't have all of that in the room right now. Um, I think young guys like PJ Woodland sort of fit that bill. But I am with you. It's intriguing because a Sage Ryan would not be your typical at all Corey Raymond corner. He is a safety. Out of necessity, they had to move him around. I put him back in our depth chart at nickel. I think that's a more comfortable role for me for Sage Ryan. Your thoughts on the nickel spot because you mentioned Tobiano could play nickel like they've got a lot yeah. of guys on this team who have that bit of versatility to them yeah and I mean we're pretty relatively high on Joel Rogers and and Juwan Johnson um but yeah I think it's Sage Ryan and JV and Tobiano I always going into last year I thought Tobiano was was best at nickel um just from the spring and summer um I assume Sage Ryan would start there I mean at this point Sage Ryan we know what he is fourth year like we've seen him play corner safety nickel now he should be able to put it together and have a solid year and so there's nothing like this spring that sage ryan's going to show us that's going to you know wildly change our opinion on him uh toviano is the one that i think at the nickel spot we'll see how much i think they still continue to move him around and kind of especially with the new coaching staff right blakers baker's going to want to see him at different positions raymond's going to want to see him at different positions uh, to figure out what they have there. So Toviano moving around, especially at nickel, I think is going to be something to watch for this spring. Um, yeah, I feel way, I feel better about the corners now than I did a year ago. I'll tell you why. A year ago, it was they took four transfers, and that was like the plan. Like those four guys are going to carry us. I never bought into the Deuce Chestnut hype, and there were certainly some over the summer from spots where people were like, "Man, I heard Deuce Chestnut's tearing it up, tearing it up." I was like, okay, well, let me go back into fall camp, watch again. We saw it in just practices. He's not a big guy. He doesn't yeah. fit the mold of what an, uh, an outside corner at LSU is. He just doesn't. And he went back to Syracuse. We never saw Denver get anything but third string reps. So, like, in practice, it was like, this guy's not going to play. And he, what, he starts a couple of games. He gets benched. He gets moved off the team. The record remains the same there. It's the same song and dance he did at A&M. You knew what you were getting yourself into. It didn't work. It never pays off. Uh, and it didn't. J.K. Johnson, who you noted, comes out of high school as a top 50 prospect, went to Ohio State, got hurt, and then comes to LSU and gets hurt in fall camp. So you lose him before you start. Zaire, your FCS player, ends up being your most reliable one, starts, and then gets injured halfway through the year. So it sort of just went to shambles for him. Yeah. And then they had to rely on, oh, let's move Sage Ryan. Let's move Toviano. Let's move Stamps. Let's move all these guys down. They'll have to play from safety to corner. Now I feel like, okay, I'm our, if you can tell me Zaire is going to be back for the season, I know what he is. I know he can play corner. I know you can put him out there. That gives you JK, both Ohio State guys, and then those two true freshmen who played last year. Like if you want to keep Toviano and Stamps at corner, They've played there. Is it their best spot? I think that you can make the argument for Toviano. It might not be. I do think Stamps is a good corner and could probably stay there. I think Toviano may better fit at nickel or safety, but I don't know. I just go into this thinking something felt off about the relying on those four transfers that we had never seen and knew nothing about other than the best one had off the field issues. That is the reason he was there. Yeah. And even in the summer when Brian Kelly was asked at media days, hey, do you think your corners are going to be any better this year? And he says, I have no idea. He said, I, I won't know until we see them. And that was the truth. I don't feel that way this year. I've got a kind of a grip of what a handful of these guys can do. Now let me see what the Ohio State kids look like. 
you know, now that they're here and now that they're healthy. I can agree to an extent. I can agree that there's less uncertainty this year. I think, I think we know more about kind of what the room is than last year. Last year was blind faith. Two years ago, it was blind faith that Makaya Gardner and Jarek Bernard Converse would work out. Last year was blind faith as well. And that's what Brian Kelly talked about in that, in the sense that we don't know what we have this year. There's, there's less blind faith because, you know, some, some of these guys have been in the system and yeah, we've seen them play. Yeah. And you've recruited, you know, uh, the guys like Jeremiah Hughes and Ashton stamps and whatnot. I still just, there's, there's a lot of work to do. I just think with this cornerback group, I, I don't feel good. I don't feel good about the cornerback room right now. Still, I, are JK you in Johnson and, and, gonna and look? If we're mixing in the nickel here, I mean, you've got like we mentioned Juwan Johnson, Wallace Foster, but they've signed Woodland. You can move Turner over. They've got Causey coming in. You mentioned Hughes coming back with Stamps and Toviano. You'll have Zai back, and then you've got the Ohio State guys. For you, that's a lot of guys. Like, do they need yes. to be in the spring portal window trying to get another corner, or do you say? No, we need to focus on these Jeez. 12 guys we've got. Yeah, they have so many guys. And not just in those positions, but, I mean, what is this? 17? Gotten more than that. Jeez. 20, 21 players in the secondary on scholarship, roughly? Uh, yes, and then you throw in Ryan Robinson, kind of preferred walk-ons. You're into the 22. Yeah. So if you're counting corner safety nickel – uh, positions where you're putting five people on the field at one time, there are over 20 players that are in that group. Yeah. More and so, than like, the, I feel great about the, the the way that they – or not even great. I feel good about the way they've recruited over the past two years at the se- in the secondary. That's, that's fine. But when we're only looking in the scope of 2024 and specifically this spring in 2024, like – it comes back to transfers. J.K. Johnson, Zy Alexander, Jair Brown are the three that, out of those three, you're going to have to get at least one really solid starter going into yeah. next year. And so, um, will it be Zy? Will it be J.K.? Will it be Jair? I don't know. But then you fill the other spot with it could be one of the other guys, but it could be Ashton Stamps, Toviano. I still we don't know about Jeremiah Hughes at this point. Like P.J. Woodland, all these guys. The cornerback room is still just. It's a mess, and it's going to take Corey Raymond, I think, a full cycle to figure it out and to figure out what he wants and who he wants and recruit at the level that he wants to recruit at. And the transfers that he does bring in, I think, next year will be a lot more uh, established than what he has, what he's brought in uh, this year to this point. Yeah, I think, too, that's a it's a point that I think will come to fruition with that is if Corey's taking transfers, they'll probably be established guys because if not, his MO is recruiting high school guys and developing them. I mean, exactly. Greedy Williams, Dante Jackson, a ton, Christian Fulton, a ton of his corners over the years, Stingley, obviously, but he's pretty polished, played immediately. I mean, they got whether it was because they had to or because he wanted to get their feet wet, but it won't shock me if PJ Woodland gets out there for reps this year. It won't shock me if he puts stamps out there in more and more spots. I think for me, stamps is still my pick is that pure core, like that corner that's younger that could come through and really yeah. shine for him. Um, but as I, I'll wrap up my corner thoughts with where I started it. I actually, I think I know what Zai is and it's a good thing and it's enough. So give, if they just need one of these two Ohio state guys and one of the two from stamps and Toviano, and then I feel like I've got three corners and if all of them are hitting, then great, you've got options, but they need at least three guys that you feel really good about. And that's just a corner at nickel. And if you've got Sage there, Toviano or whomever, I'm okay with nickel. It's the corner spots that I'm I'm talking about. Yeah. I man, it is such an interesting position here because I could, you know, see five different guys starting week one against at corner. Um, Sage is what he is. I think at nickel, you know, we, we know the good, we know the bad potentially. Um, I think he's just a solid player. Uh nothing super special there, but a you know, fine starter. Safety is less chaotic <laughs> i think we know for a oh, well here we go i feel confident in saying who the two starters are and i think Me that too. some people are going to hear one of these names and be upset about it and i'll let you i'll let you defend or whatever you think but they took jordan gilbert from a&m jordan gilbert went to U high he was a four star they offered him late they should have taken him out of high school now he's back when he was on the field for a&m he was really really good and he was young 
Then last year starts off, plays well, gets injured. He will be available for spring ball, Brian Kelly said. So that's a great thing. So, yes, he's coming off injury, but he was healthy in high school. He doesn't have some big, long history of it. He was banged up. He ends up sitting, making sure he can transfer. He gets his red shirt, all that. He's your Andre Sam replacement. Then people say, well, who's the Major Burns replacement? Well, Major Burns is back. Major Burns didn't go pro. He didn't hit the portal. He didn't do anything. He's a guy who's got probably, what, 25 starts by now, more than that. It's People are screaming that they don't want to see any more Major Burns. I'm just not in that camp. It reminds me of Greg Penn from a year ago, like before that, and Damone Clark before that. Like, Give these guys a chance to be coached up by this new staff and then see where they're at. Because between Corey Raymond and Jake Olson and then Blake Baker, who can coach up the safeties, I feel like Major Burns can be put in spots where he was better than he was a year ago. I don't think you can't bench major burns, right? You, I guess you could, but for who? <laughs> who are you? Okay. Who are major you burn, major burns was in position to make plays last year and did not make the plays. Okay. That was, it's going to take a, he's going to have to take a step forward that I'm not sure he can take this year. And so, but the, but the better question to me is, and to get to your point of, you can't bench him. Do you have anybody that can, feasibly replace him on this team and i think there's only one potential name that i could throw there and that is jv and toviano and we don't even know where the heck he's going to play this this year so that's what this spring is about is all right major you are in at start you're starting at safety but we as a obviously the coaching staff the new coaching staff here have watched the film on every single game we have graded out every game and we know what you did not do well last year can you this spring over the next two months show us that you have improved in those areas if not, we're going to have to start taking measures of seeing if Toviano can play safety, if Hep, if Stamps can play safety, if Kylan Jackson's ready. Like, we're going to have to take those steps because last year, I don't even think it was he was not put in position. I just think he didn't make the plays. I remember, I think it was was A and M where he's in position and slips, and I know it's slipping is out of his control, but like you don't make the play. There's a lot of tackles where he didn't fill the gaps. It's like he has to make strides forward, and if he is the same player as he was last year, that is not good enough to start at LSU. I don't care. Give me Toviano. Give me Kylan Jackson. I think you're right. It's like he has to start. It's just kind of default. He is the starter, but he is he has to still show that he has more to his game because last year was so rough for him. It's a it's an interesting spot to be in um, because beyond Greg Penn, Greg Penn has started 27 of the last 28 games yeah. for LSU. Beyond Greg Penn. No one on defense has more start, starts at LSU than Major Burns. He's got 24. I just Googled it. Yep. When you're at a position like DB, Matty B, and you're rebuilding it, and you've taken a transfer already that you're having to start in Jordan Gilbert, and you don't know who your corners are, it's tough for me to believe that they're going to take 24 starts off the field. I get that there was the low moments last year where he wasn't playing well, all this, but there has to be some sort of – like this bridge that we're talking of where he was at to where you want him to be can, how much of that can be coached into him and how much of that can you look at and film and just know, man, I made mistakes here or there that I don't need to make. And maybe with some different coaching or major putting more time into the film room, like, can you bridge that gap? Or do you feel like, no, they need to go ahead and think about putting a guy like Tobiano, Kylan Jackson, Sage Ryan, maybe, I don't know, but yeah, Sage and Sage doesn't fit into this, conversation in terms of how I'm trying to lay it out. Those yeah. other guys have no starting experience like Sage does, but you're taking off 20 something starts to put on somebody with no starting experience. And I get it. If he gets beat out, he gets beat out. I'm just trying to say right now ahead of time to LSU fans, don't be shocked if Major's starting. Yes. He's the incumbent. It's like, he's going to have to be beat out. And I'm not sure there's like, I say that, and I'm not sure there's a better option on this team. Like, I'm not sure that there's a better option than Major Burns. There could and, be. We just don't know what positions they play. And Kyle yeah. and Jackson, we don't know what kind of strides he's made. Exactly. I mean, Sage Ryan, Toviano, Kylan Jackson, what, Jordan Allen. Jordan Allen. Is Jordan yeah. Allen a viable option now in year three? Because remember, Ryan Yates got a lot of reps early on last year. 
Yeah. Eventually those reps went to Jordan Allen and Ryan Yates kind of quit playing. Um, yeah. And then Kylan Jackson got in on the very back end. Uh, we still like Kylan Jackson a lot. Um, but yeah, does think, Jordan Allen fit into this conversation now? And I think maybe so. Yeah. Gilbert is the better player. Gilbert is to me, the starting is, is going to start at safety. Yes. Burns is the one where we're going to have to see, I think this spring to, to keep us on, on track with this spring. I think this is where Burns is going to have to, have a really solid spring, really, really good spring and establish himself. I mean, Hey, you know, over the past two years, it was like Charles Turner at center. Who's going to beat him out. Who's going to take his spot. Charles Turner. What did he do? He got better. He locked down the spot and Salem's heard had to transfer because of it. Like people had to move around because Charles Turner's locked down the starting job for two years. Major Burns. I look at him the same way. I looked at Charles Turner. You have to improve. You have to show your value on the field. And we'll see. We'll see. If okay, that's a fair comparison. I'll take it. And he did. And yeah, Charles Turner buckled in and never got beat out. Exactly. Um, we mentioned them, but behind Jordan and Major, you'd have Kylon Jackson and Jordan Allen. You've got Ryan Yates coming off a of freshman year where he got his feet wet and played a good bit as a backup. Um, you got Austin Osbury coming in as a transfer from Auburn. This summer, you'll get Deshaun McBride here. They signed Joel Rogers. He's already on campus. Or excuse me, uh, Deshaun's already on campus. Um, so we will get to hey, see Matthew Deshaun. Langwell. Yeah, we'll get to see Deshaun in spring and Joe Joel Rogers at safety. We'll get to see him spring. I've heard that he's getting looks at nickel, but yes, the other safety would be Matthew Langlois, who has had like the Chris Hilton trajectory, but not reached the part where you're no longer injured. Like Chris was injured for the first couple of years and finally wasn't. Then you get to see exactly why he was ranked so highly. Matthew Langwell was a top 10 safety in the country coming out of uh, Catholic Point P. I mean, he was he was a really good player, and he has been injured every single year he's been at LSU. Um, so if, if he's healthy, does he can he do anything beyond special teams? We'll see. He's going to get a shot at it this spring. So safety room has um, got talent. I just don't know kind of what the starters are going to look like. And a lot of the talent is young. So Yeah, this feels like – it feels in the secondary it feels like it's a group that's just like a year away yeah right? it it's a younger group yes yeah it's a young group it's a young group and they're continuing to recruit and like just figure it out this year and then next year i'll feel really really good about the group but um yeah there's the secondary that was fun. all right that, that wraps fun. up defense um let's get out of here on this let's get out of here on this maddie b um your favorite Who's going to have the best year on defense not named Harold Perkins? Braden Swenson. I like that pick. I know. I, I, should, probably have took I should have gone first. Yeah, I was going to say, I probably took your pick there, but Braden Swenson, I just think he's, I mean, him and Womack, if they can get those two on the field together, that's a really, really, really good edge tandem. So um, I'm not even sure who else you could pick here, honestly. <laughs> Oh man, well, I went Savion last year. Um, Greg Pitt should have another high. Like Greg he should always got. I can pick Greg Penn because he's going to eat up stats for me. Yeah. He's going to get 10 tackles a game. Exactly. Um, he's going to have 100 tackles this year, probably. So, uh, yeah, I like Weeks and Penn. Um, I'm trying to be a little bold here. So I'm going to, looking at our depth chart, I'll pick someone who is not currently starting. Give me Parrish Shand for a big year. Yeah. Um, DN playing with Savion Jones. Any special teams? Or Womack. Just give me Womack. Screw it. Give me Womack. There you go. I'll take it. Year two. Uh, any special teams thoughts? Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to do that on a different pod or what. No, um, we can just throw it in here. Run it, it, run it through real quick. Well, much remains the same. Damian Ramos is your kicker. Um, he was very solid for him a year ago, and he continues to get better. Uh, Slade Roy will be your long snapper. Came in from East Carolina a couple years ago. He's been perfect. No bad snaps. Uh, Dibert will continue to kick off and battle for that um, kicking or the starting kicker position. Uh, they signed the number two kicker in the country in Aaron Burrell. You can bring him in and obviously with Ramos and Dibert here, uh, he can kind of take his time and get adjusted. But you do have the newcomer, Peyton Todd, is a former number one punter coming out of West, West Monroe. Thoughts? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, he had a huge guy. Yeah, he played defense in high school too. He's knocking people's heads off, but uh, big kid, big leg. And now he's had two years to sit behind Bramplett and get ready. Uh, I know he battled a little bit of an injury, but we'll see. finally see Peyton Todd. Um, but what everybody is excited about is 
Matty B, they went to the portal and they got a proven kick returner, or I should say punt returner. They got a proven punt returner. Greg Clayton, you are off the clock. Thank you for your duties. Thank um, you. My man stepped up in a major way uh, and yeah. bailed them out at the punt position the past two years. This past year, they had the number one offense in college football. So they said, Greg Clayton, just fair catch it every time. Don't drop it. He can do that for you. No problem at all. He did it. But now it feels like a year ago when they got Aaron Anderson, we talked this up and we talked it up and we talked it up and they gave him a shot and he fumbled it and they didn't get back in. But we were really talking up what he did in high school. And look, often that does carry over. With Xavier Thomas, we're talking what he's done at Mississippi State for two years where he's been a top five punt returner in the country. I mean, and certainly one of the best in the SEC. So not only does he have college experience, he has SEC punt return experience and kickoff experience for two full seasons. So this is now I'm finally able to say it. I think they will put him out there. And no matter if he drops it or doesn't, he's staying out there. Yeah, I can't wait to go to spring practice and just watch the punt returns and have the past two years wash away as I watch Xavier Thomas return or cleanly catch. Yeah, that's that's return. that's like the most exciting thing. This guy can actually catch the ball and yes. then can do something with it. He's yes. very dynamic. Catch and run with the ball. I'm not it's sure impressive. we've ever seen something like that in the past three years. But so think think about it. The, the last year's offense didn't need that. It was really in their best interest just to give it to Jaden. Like. This is not going to be the number one offense in college football. Yeah. Whatever extra 10 yards, 12 yeah. yards, 15 yards you can get on punts is massive. I was about to say, imagine last year's offense, you give them another eight yards of field position every time. I mean, it's, it, it makes a difference. It does. It makes a, a tangible difference if you can get an extra five to eight yards on field position every game. I mean, uh, so yeah, Xavier Thomas, um, I'm, I'm Peyton Todd. I mean, I'm kind of interested in just because Bramlett kind of tailed off towards the end of last year uh, the punts were really shaky so if you can get back to getting Peyton Todd like you said they're gonna have to punt more they're gonna have to kick more field goals probably they're gonna have to um just be better on punt return actually punt return team. the punts yeah yeah I think special teams we haven't realized it yet or at least I haven't but you're gonna have to be better on special teams than you were the last two years because if your offense isn't number one in the country then it's gonna no, start to take a bigger emphasis like it did two years ago. So um, Slade Nagel, the tight ends coach coming out of Tulane has um, got a, a history coaching special teams. He will take over special teams and obviously will have some assistance from others. Uh, and then quickly on kickoffs, um, which half the time they don't even take it out of the end zone. But uh, if they do, Xavier Thomas housed one last year against AM for Mississippi State. Uh, he certainly can play kickoffs as well. We saw them play Caleb Jackson there as the guy last year as a true freshman. If he's your starting running back and like you don't want him there for some reason, I could see them putting Caden Durham there. Um, cool. They trusted a true freshman running back a year ago there. Um, he's got speed it. for days and one of those that if you're running 10 fives, 10 sixes at 215, put him back there on kicks. And if they're kicking away from Xavion, then let him get a 15 yard head start before anyone's on him. Uh, I think he could be an interesting play there. But I um, that about wraps it up there. Really, I guess. We're expressing real confidence in Xavier Thomas because we've seen him do it for two years at state. So on special teams, I feel the only unknown will be Peyton Todd. If we're wrong about Xavier Thomas, then, then then they don't they'll never find a punt returner ever. We, we give up. We give up. It's over. <laughs> if he can't catch the punts, then don't I even feel the punt returner. Just go eleven straight to block the punt every time. That's it. That's all you need to do. Um, all right, that's it. Uh, thank you all for joining us for another spring preview podcast. Like I said, you can check out the football one on the channel already. Uh, we'll have daily coverage of spring ball um, as it unfolds next week and for the next basically month and a half. So uh, stay tuned to the Bengal Tiger on three. If you haven't already subscribed one dollar for a month to the Bengal Tiger that gets you basically through spring ball. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, if you're already a subscriber, thank you. We'll do a mailbag fairly soon and uh, get all of y'all's questions in for that. But yeah, Shay. Yeah, and then they practice next week on Tuesday. We won't be there that day. The media won't be. Thursday we will be, or it's like Thursday, Friday. I can't remember, but we get to see them one time next week. Then they go on spring break. Then they don't come back to like the 18th, 19th, and the first practice we'll see is around the 20th, 21st. So 
Um, a bit of a split up here. Obviously, they get it going. They get through that accl acclimatization period, acclimatization period, but acclimation period. But it, no, it's more than that. It's not just acclimation. I think it's acclimatization, right? I, I don't think it's acclimatization. What was acclimation? Acclim well, acclimate. Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. Acclim acclimatize. Acclimatize. I hate when you see a word and you now I don't know what the word is. Acclimation. That's what I'm sticking. An acclimation period. Yeah. I'm right. I think they're both, I think they're similar. <laughs> one has to do uh, as well. Shay does with, not um, admit that he's wrong. The environment you're in, and maybe if it's very hot, you need to get adjusted to the heat before you're allowed to put on full pads. I don't know. We can get a full answer out of that. Maybe I'm acclimatize. Acclimatize. You, well, you went to college more recently than I did, so you should be getting. I only went for three and a half years, so I can't. <laughs> That's usually a good thing. What do you would you flunk out? No, no, it means I. It means I. Yeah, I did. Got all the credits in in three and a half yeah, years. Yeah, well, I went for four and a half years. So then you you've done better than me. I you. I, you I got already said degree, my right? I said acclimation period or accl you said acclimatization period, which I don't know if that's wrong. Look, googling it, I don't think it's wrong, but. I just haven't really heard it, so. I don't know. Now you're going to – we need someone from – someone in the YouTube uh, or the board just chime in. and The board will let us know. They, they they will let us – in about an hour and five minutes when this is uploaded, they will let us know. Oh, here we go. You ready? From the NCAA's official website. Uh, during the third and fourth days of the acclimatiz acclimatization period with a V <laughs> – Helmets and shoulder pads shall be the only piece of protective equipment, blah, blah, blah. I think that's a dub for me. Acclimatization. All right. Shay got we it. Learned, we learned something new today. I didn't. I already knew that, but Matthew did. No, you, you knew it. Well, I think you, you would have stayed you in college to... four years and not three and a half. Maybe you would have known. It's because he couldn't pronounce it. So I was like, all right, he does. He does. I was trying to help him out. And then all of a sudden. I don't need any help. I got it. <laughs> Google okay. NCAA found it. Acclimatization period. Yeah, point being. All right, they're they're going to practice for a few days without any pads on. They're going to go on spring break. They're going to come back and have pads. I think we were pronouncing it. It's a acclimatization. Okay. It's not acclimatization. Oh, well. All right. Well, there you go. Um, I'll work on it. I'll work on my pronunciations over the weekend before camp. We'll get it. We'll get it. Um, But, yeah, thank you all for joining us. Leave us a like, comment, share, subscribe to the YouTube if you haven't already. Thank you all for y'all support on the videos. We will start to really rev back up here in March. Um, February was kind of like a, just a dead period in a sense with football. So we're back on it now. Um, yeah. Shout out uh, Bengal Tiger. Uh, all of our members shout out one of our members, Cordell music for the sweatshirt. Oh yes. Big shout out. Shout out Cordell. But all and right. Yeah. That's all I got. There you go. Uh, thanks for joining us. We will talk to y'all later.